now in our time of worship by opening up the Word of God. Once again, if this is your first time here with us, we want to welcome you. We're so grateful to see you and to worship with you and would love to get to know you a little bit better and show you that welcome and hospitality this morning. Um, we have connect cards right in the back, so please, if you haven't already, go ahead and fill one out or one of our hosts will give one to you and uh, make sure you get that back to us. We'd love to know how to pray for you and how to walk alongside you and serve you during this time. So we're going to continue in our time of worship by opening up the Word of God. And today's scripture reading comes from the book of Numbers, chapter 21, verses 17 to 18. And um, we were actually just going to be reading a couple of those verses, and then we will actually be doing a bit more of a review of the entire book of Numbers together. So you can go ahead and open up your Bibles to um, Numbers 17, uh, 21, verses 17 to 18. And you can go ahead and follow along with the Word of God in, in your Bibles, or you can also hear God's Word read aloud. And uh, Colin, I'm not sure if I'm hearing some feedback or something like that, but yeah, let's just monitor that, please. From uh, Numbers chapter 21, verses 17 to 18. Let's go ahead and hear now from the Word of God in uh, Numbers 21, verses 17 to 18. Then, let's hear now with open ears and open hearts from the Word of God. Then Israel sang this song. Spring up, O well, sing about it. About the well that the princes dug, that the nobles of the people sank. The nobles with the scepters and staffs, then they went from the wilderness to Matana, from Matana to Nahaliel, from Nahaliel to Bamoth, and from Bamoth to the valley in Moab, where the top of Pisgah overlook the wasteland. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we're able to gather together and to hear your precious, precious word. And we pray, Lord, as has already been prayed this morning, that you would speak to us in a new way, Lord. Be with us. Be for us, God. Be ahead of us in this journey. Today, Lord, we pray that you would be our light, that you would be our guide in the desert, Lord. That you would be our friend and our Lord in the wilderness. Take us, Lord, to the promised land. Take us to you. We love you, Lord, and we pray all of this in the faithful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So today we're actually going to continue in our summer rhythm where we actually change up the pace a little bit throughout the summer in June, July, and in August where we have some time to do 
different types of things like fellowship and to worship together and meditate on songs um, throughout the Bible together as well. And we really like to go in the summer, we like to go beyond just listening and to responding to the Word of God, but instead together as a community, we engage the Word of God. We go one step further in sharpening one another and meditating on the Scriptures together as a community. And to get today, we're actually in this series that we're calling the songs of the Bible. We started it last week where we looked at the first song in the Bible. That's, that's not a psalm in Exodus 15 or the song of Moses and Miriam, the song of the seas. But today we'll be looking at one of the oldest songs of the Bible as well. And it's a song that's found in the book of Numbers in 21 verses 17 to 18. So yes, even before there was the song book of the Bible, before there were the Psalms, we have the songs of the desert. These were songs that God's people sang while they were in the wilderness, in the desert, in the unknown, as they were on their way to the promised land. Some of you know the story. We talked about it last week, the Exodus where God's people uh, led his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, toward the promised land. And here in the book of Numbers, we see what's, what's occurring immediately after that. The people after the Exodus, God's people, the Israelites, they were in the wilderness and in the desert for 40 years. Now just pause and try to imagine that for a moment. 40 years without clarity. 40 years of unanswered questions. 40 years of patience. Who here has ever prayed and asked God for patience before? Patience is what we learn in the wilderness. Patience is what we learn in the unknown. Trust is what we learn in the desert. And in fact, the book of Numbers is that story. The story of God's people in the desert. Too often, the book of Numbers actually gets overlooked in the Bible because it has a boring name, right? It's one of the first five books of the Bible. It's extremely important, part of what's called the Pentateuch. But it gets overlooked oftentimes because it sounds very boring, right? Numbers, is it a math book? Is it a statistics book? Or what exactly is happening there? And it gets overlooked. But uh, we call it numbers in the English translation and in Spanish numeros because it, it really um, is covering the census and the numbers that were being taken in the first section of that book. But the majority of, of what the book of Numbers talks about is really about the journey of God's people in the desert, in the wilderness. And in fact, in the original Hebrew language, the, that book, Numbers, the fourth book of the Bible, is actually called just that. It's called In the Wilderness, in the desert. And in fact, Numbers is really like the travel log or the travel diary for God's people through the desert, through the unknown, through the uncertain. So it's kind of like a blog, really. Before there were blogs, before there were vlogs, there was this travel log that the Israelites had, and that travel log is what we find in the book of Numbers. 
we see the Israelites' journey through the desert toward the promised land. And this is a journey that should really only take about two weeks on foot. But it took the Israelites, the people of God, approximately 40 years. 40 years to accomplish this journey through the desert. What do we learn from that? What can we reflect on in that? Well, I know one thing that I learned in my reflection of that is that in order to know where you're going, you need to know where you are. In order to know where you're going, you need to know where you are and where you've been in order to avoid going in circles, to avoid all of the confusion. You know, I think about like one trip that I was going to do in 2010, and it was, uh, it had the potential to be a very confusing trip. In 2010, I was invited to go to Costa Rica for some ministry and some, some fellowship opportunities out there. And as I was planning my trip to Costa Rica, I did something that I had never done before. I lived in the Bay Area at the time, so I booked a round-trip flight from San Jose, California to San Jose, Costa Rica. So I was literally going from San Jose to San Jose and then coming back home to San Jose. So now, just imagine, if I didn't have clarity on my journey, that would have been an extremely confusing experience. But friends, brothers, sisters, the first step in figuring out that confusing journey for me was to get clarity on where I was. So if you're in that season, of trying to figure out what that next step is before just obsessing with that next step. Get clarity on where you are. Where am I and where have I been? In fact, that's the first question that God ever asks human beings. That's what God asks Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 after the fall. That's the question that God asks when they run away in their shame, when they're hiding. God simply asks, where are you? Today, God extends that same question to you. Where are you? Are you in the desert? Are you going around in circles? Let's start by answering that question today. Where are you? Where are you now? Because you can only understand where you are now once you have awareness of where you've been and where you came from. Knowing where I came from will help me understand where I am now, which will then help guide me in my destination. And in fact, that's what godly wisdom is when we read the scriptures, when we read the Proverbs, when we read the books of wisdom in the scriptures. Godly wisdom begins with trust in the Lord. It begins with honesty. And it also takes us towards self-awareness and connecting dots. Connecting the dots in my life. Connecting the dots on this journey that God has me on. That is what actually distinguishes the wise person in the book of Proverbs from the foolish person 
We see that all across in the books of wisdom, in the scripture. The foolish person is actually unable or incapable of connecting dots. The foolish person actually has no interest in knowing where they are, or how they got there, or where they're going. The foolish person in the scripture simply thinks that it's all just random events and, it ha- and has no interest in connecting the dots that God invites us to connect on this journey with him. And that's what we see here in the book of Numbers. For 40 years in the desert, the Israelites would begin on the journey, then get distracted and lose their way, then back on the journey once again. Again, this is a journey that would, that would or really should only take two weeks. And yet it took them 40 years. You know, in moments that I've had to be able to serve and walk alongside and, and, and have many, many, many pastoral care meetings, um, one phrase or one comment that I've often heard is a comment about time. I've heard it said before. You know what, Pastor Carlos, I know all this stuff is important, but the truth is I don't meditate on scripture, I don't pray, and I don't go to to church regularly or worship regularly because simply I don't have time. Well, here's a reality check for us this morning. Here's the truth of the matter. Spending time with the Lord in devotion, in worship, and in community That will not waste your time. It will save you time. It will save you time. It can save you 40 years of wandering in foolishness. It can save you 40 years of distraction. Spending time with the Lord will never waste your time. It will save you time. It will save you energy. And more than that, it will save you from insanity. Just like Albert Einstein once said, right? He's supposed to be a really smart guy. He once said it really well. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Friends, brothers, sisters... Spending time with the Lord through faith and devotion and worship and fellowship, that will not waste your time, but it will actually save you time and give you time. It will give you energy. It will give you peace of mind and sanity. Some of us may think, well, yeah, I hear that, Pastor Carlos, but the truth is that I'm good. You know what? I'm good. I'll just do it my way, and I'll keep doing my thing. And my one simple question to that is, all right, well, how's that going for you? Are you turning what could be a two-week journey through the wilderness into a 40-year journey of insanity and distraction? In the book of Numbers, we see this long journey that God's people, that the Israelites have been in. 
Remember, uh, from the Exodus, they ended up in Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai was the first mount, of the first uh, place of wilderness that they were in. And then after Mount Sinai, they traveled and traveled. Then they entered another place of wilderness called Paran. And from Paran, they traveled. Then they went on to another place called Moab, another place of wilderness. To then after Moab, they finally eventually got to the promised land. So a lot happened in the wilderness and in that first place of wilderness in Mount Sinai. Some of you remember Mount Sinai. That's where the the golden calf happened. That's where uh, Moses went up to Mount Sinai and received the Ten Commandments. And um, in fact, that's where even Moses interceded for God's people, that God would, would save them and not destroy them. Sometimes we can think that that was just a quick event and then the Israelites moved on from Mount Sinai, but they were in Mount Sinai, camped out there for an entire year. And then finally, after they were ready to travel from there, they took account of who was with them, which is why in English and in Spanish, we call this the book of Numbers or Numeros in Spanish because the first few chapters are really just trying to get a count of who's with them in order to continue the journey through the desert. They needed to count who, who was there in order to continue to travel. Then on the way to this place of wilderness called Paran, um, the, the people were really excited. They were rejoicing once again. They were encouraged because now they were finally leaving Mount Sinai and they were going somewhere new. But then soon that excitement began to turn into complaining. And, you know, excitement and joy can be contagious, but complaining is very contagious. They're tired. They're hungry. They're dissatisfied. They start to complain to God. They start to complain to Moses, their leader, the leader that God had entrusted to guide the Israelites through the desert. He is now the problem. He is now the issue for them. And in fact, to take it to another level in the desert, in the wilderness, in the book of Numbers, we even read about how Moses' brother Aaron and his sister Miriam, they begin to complain about him in front of those that they're supposed to be leading. So here, Moses is experiencing both work drama and family drama. In the desert, Moses experienced both. And I'm so glad that no one here experiences work drama or family drama, right? I'm so glad that's all done. No, of course, in Scripture, we find the story of God and humanity. We find our story here. Moses was experiencing work and family drama. Who has been there before? Where you feel, all right, Here we go again. Same old patterns. Same old arguments. Same old complaints. Oh, I thought we were past that last year, but now it's coming back once again. Nope, we're back. Circling back around in this relational desert, in this relational wilderness. Moses is experiencing the same thing. God's people are experiencing the same thing here. And something very significant happens in the wilderness in this place called Paran in the book of Numbers. God gives them a way. 
He gives them a straight and clear path to get to the promised land. He gives them a pathway. But instead of trusting God, the Israelites choose to trust themselves, to trust their fear, to trust their instincts. And by trusting in themselves instead of trusting God, they are actually refusing to enter into the promised land. Friends, brothers, sisters, sometimes God gives us a way. He gives us a clear way. Will we trust him into the promised land or refuse to enter into the promised land? We can't get to that promised land without going through the desert. But that's what we see here with with the Israelites. They refuse to go into the promised land because of their fears, because of their anxieties, because of their instincts. And really, the way I can understand this would be like a child. A child who's very comfortable playing in the mud because they have never experienced playing in the ocean or on the beautiful beach. Friends, brothers, sisters, God is inviting us to leave the mud and to run toward the ocean beach. Will we trust him? Will we hope in him? Will we lay our weight down in him rather than just in ourselves or in circumstances or any other person. Yes, at the ocean beach, there are going to be waves. And at times it may seem scary, but there is no comparison between the mud and the beautiful ocean that God is inviting us into. So we see here in this passage the Israelites just refusing to enter into the promised land, even though there is a pathway for them And that really is a reminder to us that of just the freedom of God, of who God is, and the freedom that he's given us as well. God has given us the freedom of choice and of decisions. Even though God will remain faithful to us in both our wise decisions and he will remain faithful to us even in our foolish decisions. He created us in his image with the power of choice, with the power of decision. But let's be clear about this. In our foolish decisions, there will be reality and consequences to that. God will make a way for us in the desert and in the wilderness. But the grace of God is that even in our foolish choices, he will be with us and he will guide us in the desert. He will take us through the wilderness. Ahead of us to guide us, behind us to protect us, and alongside us to accompany us. In fact, um, while they were going through together, and if we had more time, I'd explain all of this. You know, kind of a Bible nerd, so I love this kind of thing. But the way God organized them in a particular way to go through the desert. And at the very front were a group of people called Levites that would carry the Ark of the Covenant that would symbolize God's presence, that God's presence was always before them, guiding them every single step of the way. But then we see, even through God's faithfulness in the book of Numbers, we see a lot of rebellion. God even comes to a point of just calling his own people, his own children, stiff-necked people, hard-headed people, stubborn people, We see a lot of rebellion, a lot of consequences, a lot of bad choices, a lot of anger, a lot of fallouts. 
But the most amazing part is that even in that rebellion, God continues to care for and to provide for his people. He provides something called manna, which is just food from the sky. They don't even know exactly what it is. He he provides for his people food to eat, a place to sleep, a place to rest, and to worship even in the wilderness and in the desert. God continues to love his people in the desert and through the wilderness. So today, may we remember, whatever wilderness or desert that you may be going through today, remember this, God's love and mercy is greater than our rebellion. God's grace is more real than our foolishness that takes us in circles in the desert. May we remember that part of the journey is the desert. Part of the journey is the wilderness. And we cannot get to the promised land without going through the desert. God's faithfulness is greater than our complaints, than our bickering, than our grumbling. At the end of the book of Numbers, the people, the Israelites, they continue to grumble, they continue to complain, yet God continues to be God. He continues to save, he continues to provide for them, he continues to protect his people. Why? Because he loves them. Because that's who he is. So friends, brothers, sisters, may we trust that in the desert, in the wilderness, the Lord will continue to save you. The Lord will continue to provide for you and to protect you. Not because you or I deserve it, but because that is who God is. That is the God that we worship together. The one who is with us and for us through the wilderness. We'll have a special song in just a couple of moments, but I want to read for us this passage in the book of Numbers 21, 17 to 18. I'll actually, uh, I think 17 to 18 will be up in the screen, but I'll read from 16 all the way down to 18 as they were on this journey. It says this, uh, beginning at verse 16 in Numbers 21. From there, they, the Israelites, continued on to Beer. And yes, in the Bible, there is a land called Beer, believe it or not, and it's not the promised land, okay? But from there, they continued on to Beer, the well where the Lord said to Moses, gather the people together and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song. Spring up, O well, sing about it, about the well that the princes dug, that the nobles of the people sank, the nobles with the scepters and the staffs. Then they went from the wilderness to Matana, from Matana to Nahaliel, from Nahaliel to Bamoth, and from Bamoth to the valley in Moab, where the top of Pisgah overlooked the wasteland. May we remember that through the wilderness, through the wasteland, we as the people of God 
continue to sing. We sing songs in the wilderness. We sing songs in the desert. That's where, that's, the, that's part of the joy of the Lord, the pathway to freedom, freedom and the strength that we have in Christ. That together in the desert, we can sing. We can sing all the way to the promised land. So as we've been doing in the month of June, during our time of, of reflecting and, and uh, meditating on God's word, we take a moment to have a special song. And I'm going to invite the worship team up to uh, guide us in this special song. And it's called the Desert Song. And you can go ahead and just take this time to pray, to reflect, to receive, to sing your song in the desert, in the wilderness that God is guiding you through in this time. And after we have a moment to do that, I'll come back for us and pray, and then we'll have one more song to conclude in our time of worship. So let's go ahead and take this moment to sing a song in the desert. I just wanted to uh, say something before we uh, start singing. Um, Just hearing Pastor Carlos talk about the desert and um, I work with middle schoolers right, um, and high schoolers, and our our culture is in a place of wilderness. I think you could say um, we are in our churches and in our country. We're lacking youth, and and there's this this conversation that happens a lot about faith and and reason and. And I think culture sometimes tries to define faith for us as blind, as um, we follow blindly. And when I look at the scripture, right, the scripture defines faith as evidence. You know, growing up, you, you hear a lot of um, a lot of testimonies that talk about, you know, looking at Jesus, you know, and never looking back. And, and yeah, for sure. But I think sometimes at some point we need to look back. Like Pastor Carlos was saying, we need to know where we've come from. Sometimes we need to be reminded how far God has brought us. And in that we find the evidence and the reason to trust God. Amen. Amen. So no matter where you're at in your journey right now and in life, um, there is reason and there's sufficient evidence to sing and to worship. Amen. So that's what this song is about. And we 
the uncertainty, even amidst going in circles, we can sing praise and know that our God is with us, our God is for us, and He will be the one to guide. He is our hope, He is the promise. When nothing else seems clear, we can hold on to His presence to his power and to his promises. Our songs of praise are also our, our prayers. So my hope is that th this song that we just sang and this one that we've reflected on today could also be your prayer for this week. Through the month of June, we're going to continue in this journey of reflecting on the songs of the Bible, the songs of hope and deliverance. 
And so we're all encouraged throughout the month of June, read a psalm, pray through a psalm every single day. And next week, we're going to be reading Deuteronomy 32, where we're going to be learning to sing songs of confidence. So let's go ahead and pray as we close out our time here, and then we'll close out with one final song. Lord, as your people, we're grateful because you never leave us, Lord. Even when everything around us seems dry, you provide water. When there seems to be only famine and hunger, Lord, you provide manna from heaven, Lord. May we know, Lord, that that's still who you are, that's still what you do, God, in whatever desert or whatever wilderness we find ourselves, Lord. As your people, Lord, we offer you ourselves as living sacrifices, Lord. We offer you just our entire lives, our full trust, our full hope. Today, we surrender, God. Lead the way. We're done going in circles. We're done losing ourselves. We're ready to trust you, God, to the promised land. Take us there, Jesus. Continue to move and continue to do what you do, God. Thank you, Lord, that we've been refreshed by your word. We've been re-energized by these songs that we've sang in the desert. We've been given new confidence knowing that our God is with us in any wilderness that we find ourselves. And Lord, as we continue in worship and enter into praise and are preparing, Lord, to go live out our faith and our life with you throughout this week. Lord, may we experience your joy, your presence, and your power. It's in the faithful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen, church. If we can just go ahead and just stand our last worship song of the day. And I just encourage you to just all that you have within you, amen? Just give it to the Lord. Amen. That is who you are. 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 Yes, it is too. Yes, it is.
time and we'll finish with Waymaker. Waymaker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Let's go ahead and give the Lord a round of applause this morning. Amen. He is good. He's worthy to be praised. Amen. Worthy to be praised in all seasons and in all times. And we all go through different seasons of desert and of wilderness. And part of our call together as a family together and our life together as a church is to walk alongside each other in all of those seasons. And right now we're actually going to take a moment to pray for our dear sister Christine, who um, who I'm gonna invite her to go ahead and, and come forward. If uh, Christine and uh, Emily would like to accompany and uh, Jody and Charlotte can come and lay a hand on, on Christine. Um, some of you know that um, one of the, the most um, challenging seasons we can ever go through and a wilderness season can be in the loss of a spouse. And this week, uh, Christine's uh, late husband, Dr. Mativo, uh, passed away on Monday. And as a church community, we have been able to be with her, to walk alongside her, to pray with her, 
but right now together as a community, as a sign of, of solidarity and of being with her in this journey through the desert, I'm gonna ask us all to just extend a hand toward Christine and we're gonna pray for her as she just continues to navigate this loss and this grief. And that's part of what the scripture says. It says, uh, rejoice with those who rejoice and grieve with those who grieve. And friends, brothers, sisters, amongst our body right now, we are grieving, especially as we think about and we pray for the passing of the late Dr. Mativa. So you, we, we can go ahead and pray right where we are, and I'm going to extend a prayer to Christine in this morning on behalf of our entire church community and church body. Let's pray. Gracious God, we come before you this morning, Lord, grieving, remembering, Lord, the life of the late Dr. Mativo. And Lord, we just know that you are with our dear sister Christine, Lord, with her family in this time, God, this time that can feel so uncertain, this time that can feel so unsure. But Lord God, as she has even declared herself that the one confidence that she has, Lord, is in you, Jesus. In Christ, the solid rock. In Christ, the water in the desert, that oasis in the desert, God. And Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that that true comfort of Christ, that true comfort that goes beyond any understanding, Lord, that comes from the power of your Holy Spirit, that it would just cover our, our dear sister Christine, Lord, as she is in this season of grieving, Lord, of remembering, Lord God, and of entrusting, God Almighty, the life of her late husband, God, into your hands. He is in your presence now, God, and you will be God to him, Lord God. And with that, we hold our confidence, we hold our trust, Lord. And Lord God, that is who you are. You make a way, Lord. And right now, I just pray that Christine would be able to give herself grace, her self-patience, her self-mercy, Lord, and help us as your people, as her family, to navigate this and walk alongside her every single step of the way. May she know that she is not alone. And she is never alone, God Almighty. You are with her. We, as the people on this journey, are alongside her in this wilderness, in this desert, Lord God. But Lord, the story of wilderness is that though there is wilderness, there is confusion, there is promise, and there is light, and there is everlasting hope, God. And Lord, right now we find that rest and comfort, God, that you will be God to her family, to the, the passing of her late husband, God, Dr. Mativo, and that you will be God here to the living as well, God Almighty. You have no bounds, Lord in this life and the next. You continue to reign. And Lord, I just pray that you would be able to give us hearts to trust and minds stayed on you, Lord God. And as we prayed yesterday, I'll pray that for her today, Lord, as well. Whatever she needs to feel, may she feel it and bring it to you, God. And whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is honorable, Lord, may she keep her, her mind on these things, Lord, because that's where she will find you, Lord. 
thank you, Lord. May Christine know that she is deeply loved, that she is cared for, that she will be protected, she will be provided for. And Lord God, that we are with her. And you, O Christ, are with her, leading the way, guiding her, protecting her, and accompanying her. Thank you, Lord. We entrust this entire circumstance, this season of grief over to you, Lord. And we believe, Lord God, that you continue to make the way. We don't know what the way is, Lord, but we trust in you, Lord. The person that will guide, that will make the pathway, Lord. Help us to hold on. Help us to trust in you. May Christine feel that she is loved, that she is cared for, and that she can entrust all things, including her precious heart, her precious life, her precious emotions, all to you, God. You can handle it. Thank you, Lord. Be with our sister. Be with the entire family, God, in this time. And help us, Lord, to show the love of Christ, to be Jesus' people in this time. To simply show up. To simply be there and care for our dear sister in this time. She's carried so many over the years, Lord, and she carried her husband for so many years. And now, Lord, may she be able to find rest in being carried by you, Jesus, and in allowing others to carry her in this difficult time. We love her, Lord God, and we thank you that we love because you first loved us. And may she be overwhelmed and overtaken by this love that you have for her, Lord, in this time of griefing, of grief, and also in rejoicing in the remembrances. Thank you, Lord. We entrust it all to you in the faithful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 It's what it means to be the people of God to be with one another in our joys and in our sorrows. Friends, it's been such a joy to be able to worship together. And um, just a couple of reminders for us as we uh, conclude our time here. Um, we do have fellowship immediately after service. Take five minutes to connect with God, connect with each other. And right in the back, we have um, our coffee and pastries. Take a moment to connect. If you're new, we fill out that connect card, get it to us, let us know how we can pray for you, serve you. This coming Tuesday, we do have our summer fellowship um, at Al and Yvette's house. And uh, right in the back, you'll see Michelle with a clipboard to sign up to confirm because we want to be able to plan for that accordingly. So go ahead and talk to Michelle. She's right in the back and she will give you that information um, at, so we can prepare for this Tuesday from 6 to 8 p.m. And if you need to talk or pray with anyone, I'll be available. Um, some of our leaders will as well. Just tap us and we'd love to be able to do that with you immediately after service. But friends, as we go out from here, would you receive this blessing first in Spanish and in English? And it actually comes from the book of Numbers. It's a blessing in the desert, in the wilderness. First in Spanish, then in English. Que el Señor te bendiga y te guarde. Que el Señor haga resplandecer su rostro sobre ti. Y que nuestro Dios te dé la paz y la sabiduría que buscas. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you the peace and the wisdom that you seek. Amen. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. God bless you. And stick around for fellowship, and we'll see you here for worship next week.